When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Conspiracy the Show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as co-host today, who are you? Uh, I- I'm Olivia Haidar. Hello. Oh my God. Olivia, how's it going? Hi, it's going great. My internet is out today. so That's, that's not good. That's It's probably just a government thing. Yeah, I would. Ima- I assume it's related to the weird voices that I heard the last time I recorded a conspiracy show. Right, right. Uh, I assume that there's like a government truck pulling up right now. In fact, I'm going to look. Looks like, yeah, I see. Uh, it looks like it's uh, American lawnscaping. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Yeah, that sounds uh, FBI related or whatever yeah. that new secret service is that the Pentagon oh, yeah. has been building over the past few years. Which, you know, it's about time because I feel Finally. like we it has been way too long since we have created another uh, useless arm of our intelligence operations. Yeah, I mean, we for the longest time we had the 16 of them and I was like, when are we going <laughs> to have a 17th? And, Come and on. even 17. Yeah, and even 17. <laughs> it might seem like we're talking about surveillance and intelligence today, but we're not. No. We're talking about, this is a bonus episode, but I feel like it's going to be a bonus episode for about a week because we can't do a Roswell episode and just keep it private like they yeah. kept the Roswell incident. Oh! oh! <laughs> ah, I was on the wrong soundboard. God damn it. <laughs> I wanted the air horn. I was wondering what that was. (laughs) I tried to do an air horn because we brought that back on Unpops this week, but I fucked it up. Classic. I fucked it up. Well, it sounded like it was like a crowd cheering. It was, which is also good. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Yeah, we're talking about Roswell. I can't believe we haven't done a Roswell episode yet. This is the first, like the first ever Roswell episode. I feel like we did a kind of a compilation episode where we talked about a bunch of different ufo sightings yeah i mean well we definitely have talked about roswell like in passing on other right. shows but wow this i feel honored then to be on the this is a historic episode right yeah i don't i've always kind of felt like there's almost not enough information about roswell but yeah a lot of it comes well, a lot of what we're talking about today just comes from the different accounts of Roswell that have come up throughout the years. But uh, what's your basic familiarity level with the Roswell incident? I would say, like, pretty familiar. Like, I, I, I would say more familiar than average, I would guess. Like, 
it's something I, you know, I've been a fan of UFOs and that sort of thing since I was a little kid. And, and like Roswell is like such a huge part of that, especially like for things that a young person might read at a library or whatever. Uh, oh, love that. But, uh, yeah, but you know, like, uh, I, I will say this is the first time that I have, uh, we're talking about a place at a conspiracy show that I have been to. So Same, that's my yeah. biggest, yeah, that's, uh, I, I luckily did not go to Colonial Libertad or <laughs> Unit 731. No, <laughs> like I, you've never been I to Jonestown? Know. Come on. No, I've never been to Jonestown. I, I hear it's beautiful this time of year. They have a quaint little museum and a Buffalo Wild Wings just like Roswell. <laughs> that would that would be amazing. I really wish that that was true. Yeah. <laughs> Like a like a uh, I'm picturing like a Planet Hollywood type <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings where like you can sit next to like the loudspeaker that <laughs> Jim Jones would use. Yeah, they have uh, Jim Jones outfit in a glass case. <laughs> like, oh God! Oh no! Uh, but yeah, like I I when I was but this was like this was twenty some like when I was ten years old I went uh with my family I I. We went on a trip out west, and I coerced them into taking me through Roswell, uh, which I loved at the time. And looking back, realized, oh yeah, there's literally this is no, this is just a town. This is just like a a normal town. Yeah, I went there. I know we just talked about this on a recent episode, I think, but yeah, I went there on the Portugal the Man tour where I opened for them. They had a day off, and I found out they were going to Roswell. And I was like, well, I am sleeping in the back of your tour bus and yeah. uh, going to Roswell with you. And yeah, there's there's nothing there. And even the, even the UFO museum closes at 5 p.m. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it is cool, though. Yeah, I liked it a lot. That's and, the cool thing. Like, it's worth going through just to, like, jog through the UFO museum for, uh, like, an hour or two and then be on your way. Yeah, it's really but, quick. Yeah. They have a great gift shop. I bought yes. two T-shirts. One of them had lettering that glowed in the dark. Oh. And I wore that on stage for the rest of the tour. <laughs> uh, but we got, this, uh, we got this incredible, these um, reams of fabric. Uh, really? Yeah, like uh, that we that were then incorporated into like bags and things among my mom and my grandma and me for like years later. But it was like black cloth with like uh, silver printing of like aliens and New Mexico oh. with the uh, Roswell star on it and like that sort of. It was you know it's just like kitschy little fabric. It's a very kitschy little town kind of now. I always kind of forget Roswell is even in New Mexico because I've spent yeah. so much time in New Mexico, but I was in Albuquerque, which feels like it is another planet away <laughs> from Roswell. They are yeah. very different places. I mean, yeah, it's not a major city. No. It, like it just is simply a town within New Mexico. And they really don't have any bars, which blows no. my mind. Yeah. No. The Buffalo Wild Wings and that's it. I mean, but can you imagine what a nightmare it would be like, especially in the like 80s and 90s when UFO fever is like at its peak, like all the drunk UFO heads like oh, yeah. wandering around the desert? 
Yeah, that's probably why they don't have a bar. Yeah. Yeah, I Roswell reminds me of another place I want to visit, which is Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Yes, me too. Yes. Home of absolutely. the Mothman. <laughs> yes. Because yes. they I understand treating Roswell like this joyous thing that happened in your town. Yeah. Because even if there's a government cover up involved, no one died, at least not right. until someone probably <laughs> tried to talk twenty years later. Yeah. But Point Pleasant treats the oh, Mothman yeah. incident exactly the way Roswell treats the Roswell incident. Yeah. But dozens and dozens and dozens of town people died in yes. the Mothman incident. And they're like, oh, Mothman. It was, it was a huge tragedy that's the whole point of the mothman book story like that's yeah. the whole point is that there is this massive tragedy that this creature like like foretold yeah he's a harbinger of doom by the oh way i just God. rewatched the mothman prophecies for uh, the first time in a while that movie fucking rules it's it is extremely weird what a bizarre film to have been released it is it's it's a bit of a fever dream yeah. Yes, but yes, uh, absolutely. Oh, it's so uh, good. I, I also rewatched it very recently as a run. Uh, I've been doing a run of these kind of like forgotten, uh, like eerie films, you know? And yeah. I also, I, but like, it's especially a bizarre film when you compare it to the book, The Mothman Prophecies, which is so vastly different than the film. Yeah. Like the book is this like, in-depth report about like the men in black and uh all you know all sorts of ufology stuff like it's a it, it's written by this guy who's like this total cryptozoology guy he's a, he's a character in the movie yes yeah he's he's one but of like the he, people that richard him... gear goes and visits the See, that character now, but... is named after him I was going to say like richard gear is na- I thought he was the one who was named after the guy in the book now it's, been, it's I it's guess the I misremembered paranormal researcher he goes to visit. Yeah, we should do a Mothman episode at some I'm point. I'm down. Yeah, we did, absolutely. That's we, some crazy shit. We did a Mothman episode on Pretty Scary, which is like a true crime yeah. paranormal podcast that we do. That's kind of like a companion podcast to this, <laughs> and uh, it's one of the funniest episodes we've ever done. Yeah. Because the like the description of the Mothman, people mm-hmm. are like, "Oh, he's got red eyes, but an unremarkable head." That keeps coming <laughs> up. He has an unremarkable head. And I just picture the Mothman having really hurt feelings reading that. Yeah, really unremarkable. Aside from the giant blazing red eyes. Yeah, and he's a clumsy <laughs> runner, which he can fly. He doesn't have to yeah, run well. I- <laughs> I've never thought about picturing the Mothman running before. <laughs> it's never entered my mind. He's fucking pumping his wings, running down the street. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I can use these to fly. God damn it. <laughs> uh, I would be totally down to do a Mothman episode because I have been looking for an excuse to reread that book. So I would totally do I, that. I'd be all for it. But until then, let's talk about the Mothman of Roswell. Okay. Which yeah, is the, Roswell. The moth, yeah, the Mothman of the Southwest. <laughs> this is the UFO sighting that started it all. Yeah. Way back in June or July of 1947. It seems like right. no one is really even sure exactly when this incident happened. But uh, the foreman of Foster Ranch near Roswell Army Airfield, William Mac Brazell, 
found debris clustered around the property. And initial press releases stated this was found in early July, later one stated June. So who knows? I kind of maintain that dates are probably the least important detail of historical stories. Well, especially the like once you start getting back past like the 60s, it just it all becomes super squishy unless like literal military timekeeping is involved. Yeah. And no one's going to jump in and be like, no, it was a Tuesday, (laughs) not a Wednesday. Who fucking cares? Shut up. Right. So Brazil reported this finding to Roswell Sheriff George Wilcox, who I bet just had a rip roaring busy job back then yeah oh i'm sure like if you were the sheriff of roswell now you're probably bored to death (laughs) well i mean not now that meth is a thing probably do you think roswell has its own sheriff now i don't know what if it has an alien sheriff (laughs) i mean hey if you believe the roswell tv show uh, I, I would assume that that comes up and that maybe there is a alien sheriff involved. Yeah, we. I feel like I need to watch Roswell after yeah. really digging into this, but I won't. But no, like it kind of sounds think... like the Americans, but I know it's not. Nothing is it's, the Americans. No, the Americans that, is the perfect television show. That would be the worst expectations to have going into a <laughs> CW teen show. That would yeah. just be unbearable. Nothing could stand up to that. So these aliens are going to fuck for details, right? <laughs> They're going to be fucking for information. There's going to be some really in-depth intrigue and espionage going on with these aliens, right? Yeah, no, it's nothing like that. Just teen drama. Just, you know, like, what if, uh, you know, Brian has a crush on Becky, but Becky has a crush on Danny, or I don't know. Like, I'm making... (laughs) That could be a real plot point. Who knows? It probably is. No one knows. So this board sheriff, George Wilcox... He reports what Mac Brazell told him to the Roswell Army Airfield, uh, R-A-A-F, as we will call them from now on, intelligence officer Major Jesse Marcel, who is a very important figure in the Roswell story. Marcel organized an inspection of the debris to be held the following day. Mm -hmm. So the following day, July 7th, 1947, the RAAF detail inspected the debris at the Foster Ranch and transported it back to RAAF. Whether they took all of it or just some of it, is unknown. I feel like they would have taken all of it. Probably, or at least all that they could, like, find. The next day, July 8th, Roswell Army Airfield reported recovering a, quote, flying disc, end quote, from a nearby ranch in a press release. This is a quote from researcher Kendrick Frazier. The idea of alien spacecraft hadn't gained hold yet. At best, the concern was that if they were physical craft at all, they might be Soviet or even holdover Nazi aircraft. That's a pretty common theory. Or, yeah, yeah, I think just theory, is that what we were seeing at this time might have been Nazi or Russian stuff. Right. Which, that is how Foo Fighters got their name. Of course, yeah. Foo Fighters were these phenomena that American or ally pilots flying over Germany reported seeing, which were these weird balls of light that would just come and kind of hover around their planes. Yeah, play monkey wrench. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know the aliens collaborated with the Nazis. Like that's just in yeah. history. 
Of course, yeah, that's why all the Nazis are on the moon. Right. Well, or Antarctica, which is like the moon of Earth. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That is Earth's moon. Yeah. <laughs> Except and for Earth's moon. The ocean is Earth's outer space. Uh, and then course, there's actual yeah. moons in outer space above yeah, us. Yeah, none of that's real. Yeah, we shouldn't go to any of it. <laughs> So yeah, that we're kind of in the midst of doing a bunch of episodes about the CIA UFO files also. You haven't done any of those episodes yet, right? Uh, I did. I think, uh, I believe I did the, well, I, the last episode that I did was about UFOs. So Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of digging through those files. And this yeah. is a thing that comes up very early in those CIA UFO files is what if this is Russia collaborating with the Nazis. Yeah, I mean, that's a very logical assumption to make if you're entrenched in the Cold War, you know? Yeah, but also if you're looking to blame Russia for something you're doing, True. it's also, also that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to lean more toward we maybe planted the stories about Russia mm-hmm. building UFOs, but who knows? Yeah. So. Colonel William H. Blanchard, who was a commanding officer of the Air Force Operations Group, 509th. Ever been? To the 509th Air Force Group? Yes. Uh, no. No, I, I have not. No. Uh, he contacted General Roger M. Ramey of the 8th Air Force in Fort Worth, Texas. I have been to the 8th Air Force. Everyone's been to the 8th. Yeah, I, I know, course. I know. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's so, old hat, it's, but. it's like once you start visiting them, it's the 8th one. So, <laughs> of course, of you're course. at least going to get that far. 509th, that's a stretch. Well, and then you're in Fort Worth. You can visit the, you know, the Twin Cities. It's like, a, it's a yeah. whole thing. There's good barbecue. I've been. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, Ramey ordered the debris to be transported to Fort Worth Army Airfield. Ramey assessed it as a weather balloon, and this was confirmed by Warrant Officer Irving Newman. And and little did he know that, you know, that's playing the hits, but he's making the hits. That's a that's the first time that hit is being played. Yeah, that's that's a pioneer right there. Exactly. Weather balloon. Who would have come up with that? Pioneer of the weather balloon excuse. <laughs> Which there is also in those CIA files a really detailed breakdown of what kinds of weather balloons we were using at the time. And some of them do sound like a lot of the UFO sightings people see. Totally. Because there's one that as it descends into the sky, it gets bigger and bigger and the gases inside it start changing colors. Whoa. And that's one of the UFO sightings you see a lot is... Well, it was this ball that just kept getting bigger and bigger, and it was glowing like the moon. And it's like, yep, that was actually a weather balloon. (laughs) That actually was. That sounds dope, though. I would like to see that, honestly. Oh, yeah. They need to release video of weather balloons. I feel like that would would cut about 50% of the UFO sightings, but that's the problem. They're like, well, it's a weather balloon. I've never seen a weather balloon. No. Like you can't, I've never looked up and been like, oh, check out that bitchin' weather balloon up there. <laughs> it's I've too seen high. Fucking, I've seen Elon Musk launch yeah. more rockets over Los Angeles than I've right? seen weather balloons. You, uh, ever, I would, you ever looked I would, up in the sky when that was happening? I, 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 I know I've seen some sort of Elon Musk bullshit. I, I don't know exactly. I don't think I saw a launch, though. I remember there was what I don't think it was an Elon Musk thing. And there was this thing flying through the sky and people are like, what the fuck's that? And the next day, some agency came out and was like, oh, it's just a missile test. 
Oh, a missile test oh, over boy. L.A. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so much better now. Chill. Very chill. Super yeah, that's chill. Great. So, yeah, I've never known what to think about the weather balloon explanation here. Yeah. But we'll get to it. So it was specifically identified as a weather balloon and its kite, which is a right. radar reflector for tracking the balloon from the ground. Yeah, which makes sense, especially in the 40s. Like, you know, radar wasn't exactly like new. I mean, it was very new technology, so it wasn't like super accurate. You would need something to like hook the signal, you know? Right. This is a quote from a telex that was sent from RAAF to the FBI at the time. The disc is hexagonal in shape and was suspended from a balloon by cable which balloon i'm reading this verbatim so Mm -hmm. excuse my broken english which oh sorry which ballon was approximately 20 feet in diameter major curtan further advises advices that the object found resembles a high altitude weather balloon with a radar reflector, but that telephonic conversation between their office and right field had not borne out this belief. Mm. Hmm. So Indeed. even then, it sounds like people disagree. Right. And this is much like the Mothman incident, all happening over the course of just a couple days, like three days. We're, we're up to July 9th, 1947, yeah. and this started July 6th. So, July 9th, 1947, the press reported that Ramey said RAAF had discovered a weather balloon at a subsequent press conference. Debris resembling a weather balloon said to be from the Foster Ranch site was displayed and Ramey addressed the press. This effectively killed the story for the time being. (laughs) One explanation for the secrecy and or cover up is that the balloon was not an ordinary weather balloon, but actually a military weather balloon launched a month prior from Alamogordo Army Airfield, which included experimental radar technology intended to monitor Soviet nuclear testing. But that didn't come out until the 90s. The Air Force said that. And I feel like with enough time having passed, once that comes out in the 90s, we'll be like, okay, yeah, we were monitoring Russia all the time back then. So that makes sense. What kind of fucking balloon is going to make it to Russia to my, from Alamo Gordo <laughs> from New Mexico well, we're going to send I, a balloon to <laughs> we would launch the balloon from an ally in Europe if nothing else definitely I, I i think that's definitely true i would i would guess the reason and like this is this is also i guess the reasoning behind just general lack of public interface with weather balloons is that the idea is that they go like crazy high up right yes like yeah they go to really high altitude right like basically like the stratosphere almost they almost go up to where weather happens right yeah Yeah. exactly they they get right up in where the weather's happening and uh i feel like i mean maybe maybe from that height it doesn't matter where you launch it you know as long as it drifts i don't know i don't know how in 1947 you control (laughs) where a balloon goes it seems seems dicey i believe ufos were real by that point more than i believe we could control balloons god So that was July 9th, 1947. And that's kind of how the story stood for, eh, 
about 30 years. Yeah. There was really no further interest in Roswell. And it ends up coming back into the public consciousness in February 1978 when UFO researcher and nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman interviewed Major Jesse A. Marcel, the 509th Bomb Group intelligence officer at Roswell, who transported the debris to Fort Worth when in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for another interview, he learned Marcel lived nearby in Huma, Louisiana. Huma? 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 Yeah. I don't know. Here's the thing, here's the thing about Jesse Marcel. If you're one of those people who thinks everyone you encounter with a deep southern accent is a fucking redneck uh. yokel, get a load of Jesse Marcel's accent. <laughs> Until officials announced it was only a weather balloon. Major Jesse Marcel, in charge of the operation, now tells a far different story. They took pictures, of course. They had a whole flock of microphones there. They wanted me to, to they wanted some comments from me, but I wasn't at liberty to do that. So all I could do is keep a mouth shut. He sounds like, remember that Cajun chef? Yes. He, he sounds like a swamp person. Uh, he sounds like uh, Jim Fogarty's singing voice, uh, but not his speaking voice, just the singing voice. And he is one of the most important figures in the development of the nuclear bomb. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. He's also the guy in the very famous Roswell picture, like the like one of the most foundationally important UFO pictures of all time, Which, the guy with if, the debris, you know. And if you look at that picture and you imagine going, hey, sir, what is that that you're holding? You imagine because of when it's happening and just how he looks yeah. that he'd be like, well, son, <laughs> this is a piece of metal that came off a UFO. And yeah. imagine what his accent was like back then. Right. Like, piece of metal, yeah. You ever seen this metal <laughs> came, came off UFO? I've never seen nothing like this. Gonna saute this up. Fricassee. Uh, he's he seems like a delightful guy. I love. He this seems interview. very nice. Really lovely interview. I mean, he's the one who renewed the interest in Roswell. Yeah, if nothing else. And so, in this interview, Marcel revealed to Friedman that he still believed the debris was extraterrestrial, and that sparked further research and interviews, and was eventually published in a documentary co-written by Friedman called UFOs Are Real. And we'll uh, link to the interview with Jesse Marcel so you yeah. can hear it for yourself. It really please, is jarring. Yeah, please watch. It's a really, both what he says is interesting and also the way he says it is interesting. Yes. And that interview ends up, at least in part, being published in the National Enquirer, well. which leads to even more... See, that's that's always the thing you hear, though, is that yeah. sometimes the stories kicked down to the National Enquirer are true. Their coverage I mean, of the OJ trial was yeah. impeccable. We, we we've lit that, that has definitely we've talked about that before. And I, I, I believe it. You know, it just goes to show that Men in Black was correct and not just Men in Black, uh, but also the Ben Affleck film Phantoms. You know, that's also about how the National Enquirer gets it right i don't think anyone's ever questioned the ben affleck film phantom so. oh no of course not it is it's okay. uh you know it's an objectively great film so september 20th 1980 the tv show in search of published another interview with marcel where he talked about the press conference of mm -hmm. july 9th 1947 
This is a quote. They wanted some comments from me, but I wasn't at liberty to do that. So all I could do is keep my mouth shut. And General Ramey is the one who discussed, I mean, told the newspapers, I mean the newsman, what it was and to forget about it. It is nothing more than a weather observation balloon. Of course, we both knew differently. Ooh. And the reason he wasn't at liberty to talk to the press was because his position at the time necessitated a low profile. That position being he was, this is a quote, in charge of all security and intelligence on atomic tests in the United States and the Pacific. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, that's especially in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. That is fucking nuts. That is an insane job to have. And that is one of the things we always hear about UFOs is they started showing up around yeah. the same time we start fucking with nuclear weapons. Yeah. I and mean, yeah. they were here to be like, will you, will you not? Yeah. Will you just not do this? I like, mean... Yeah, you know, that's one of those things where it's kind of one of those fundamental boundary crossings, like when, you know, a species is able to, you know, manipulate things on the atomic level, like that seems like something that might, you know, if anything could get the attention of of aliens, I feel like that would. Thousands and thousands of nuclear bombs going off within a relatively short period of time. There were so many. Yeah, people don't like even this, understand, really. This guy would have been, Jesse Marcel, would have been one of the key figures in Operation Crossroads, which yeah. I think we covered that on What in the World. I don't know if we covered it on the Conspiracy Pod, because it's not a conspiracy. No, it's out in the open. We used this one whole area of the Marshall Islands, the Bikini mm-hmm. Atoll, just as a testing ground for nuclear weapons forever. Yep. And then we sent people to live there, kind of so we could see what impact yeah. that would have on people who lived somewhere where nuclear weapons were tested not good no seem turns out bad but we got the bikini out of that shit that you know what that is true i don't know if people know that but the bikini was invented to promote nuclear weapons i i i believe it <laughs> google it that like it is like yeah. that is when the bikini was developed it was in relation to the development of the nuclear bomb yeah i mean it's the easiest way to see lesions on the body of someone living in a post-nuclear area is just yeah. to have as little clothing on the body as possible yeah this is what all of your clothes will look like if you <laughs> stand outside during that blowback Exactly. So, yeah, the fact that he was involved in all of that and is the one who's most closely related to this crash does lend a little bit of credence to that idea that if this is real, maybe they were here because we were fucking with nuclear weapons. Yeah. And at the very least, he's not the kind of person that you can just very easily dismiss as a crackpot or, you know, uh, some body who doesn't have any expertise in anything like who doesn't know what he's talking about like he obviously has a lot of expertise in matters that are pretty closely related to whether or not a extraterrestrial craft crashed in you know new mexico he's the guy in the picture yeah so the attention to these marcel interviews is what really propels roswell back into the public spotlight and made it as famous as it is now it kind of brought back the suggestion that this was related to otherworldly phenomenon 
and not and not just a weather balloon. So in the interview that aired on the TV show In Search Of, Mm -hmm. Marcel describes this sheet of metal amongst the debris as a few feet in dimension that was thin like aluminum foil. Right. But couldn't be bent, broken or dented, even with a sledgehammer. Yeah. And this is what he's holding in that famous photo, at least according to him. The problem is it just looks like a piece of metal in the photo and you can't, if you hit it with a sledgehammer, it's not going to prove anything because you need to have the actual metal, obviously. (laughs) But that, I mean, just the fact that it's the guy in the picture describing what he's holding, like, who are you going to believe? I mean, yeah, that's, that is extremely compelling testimony at the very least. Like... You can't you can't just dismiss any of that. And you have to take it in context with what the American government was at the time. Like mm-hmm. the 40s, 50s, 60s, that's a really freewheeling time for the American government. Yeah. We were getting off into all the kinds of shit that we're sure the American government isn't getting up to now. Yeah. But back then we know they were. And there's no way we would have found an alien craft and just been like Huh? <laughs> what is this? No, we're obviously going to take that and be like, can we build one? Yeah. Like, what, what, what can we make out of this? Yeah. If who they got kill, here. Who can we kill with this? Yeah. There's got to be somebody, at least one person. Yeah. And so it, I don't know. I, I tend to believe Jesse Marcel over yeah. the rest of the government. I tend to believe whistleblowers in general, and that's pretty much totally. what he is. And so uh, there was a lawyer who looked through declassified government documents and came across a mention of the Roswell case that indicated the FBI had determined it was a highly classified kite equipped with experimental radar. Sure. And in response to that, Jesse Marcel said, it was not anything from this earth that I'm quite sure of. I was familiar with just about all the materials used in aircraft and or air travel. Yeah. This was nothing like that. It could not be. It could not have been. So again, who who are you going to believe? You can't get much more uh, positive than that, honestly. And And we obviously know that this guy does it have a great familiarity with aircraft materials and stuff. Like, you know. Yeah. He's He's got got exactly the background he's describing (laughs) right he's just got an accent that you don't expect yeah i would love i I would love to find other clips of him giving interviews surely there's got to be more somewhere out there like even if not about ufos about other stuff i just like to hear i just want to talk to him yeah i would love that i want to get his gumbo recipe he's not i don't think i don't is he still alive no there's no no way no way yeah that would be very surprising well, he he gave his final interview in August 1985. So yeah, he, if he, he was, was giving them that late in the game, he's probably dead now. Because yes, yeah, he, he would it, still be giving them. He was an aged man in the uh, interview <laughs> that we that we watched. So yeah, and that was from the 70s. Exactly. So the next thing that really reignited interest in Roswell happened in 1980, and that was by way of a book called The Roswell Incident. This is where the suggestion that alien bodies were found as part of the Roswell incident, which I don't know. By this point, I feel like Jesse Marcel is kind of the authority on what was found there. And if he wasn't like, there's bodies there, man. I mean, honestly. Yeah, exactly. It, It seems like gilding the lily. 
honestly. A little bit. And this book suggests the same theory that they were, the, the, these crafts were there because of nuclear technology. Sure. It suggests the government covered everything up, that the craft was struck by lightning, and that's why it crashed. That's another thing where, that's another part that just immediately strikes me as an unimaginative writer coming up with a reason why a, an alien spacecraft crashed. They didn't account for lightning? Yeah, that seems like a technology they've probably I mean, figured out how to defeat. Come on. There's got to be space lightning of some sort. Well, it's not like lightning is like supernatural. It's fucking electricity. <laughs> like, surely they've got some insulation on that fucking spaceship, right? Yeah. They're like, you've got a better chance of being eaten by a shark. <laughs> then a fucking shark jumps up and grabs yeah, one of their crafts out of the sky. That would be, that would be more realistic, honestly. Yeah. Sharkalian. Sounds like a good movie. I'll watch yeah. it. Yeah, Shark Alien. I would watch it. This is also where the idea that the debris Marcel was holding in that famous picture uh -huh. was switched out for fake debris later right. and shown to the press at the July 9th press conference. Right. But again, that didn't come up until this account. And this account was written by, like, it. there was help from Stanton Friedman. Mm -hmm. who is the guy who initially interviewed Marcel. But it was written by two dudes named Charles Berlitz and William Moore, who were just researchers. Yeah. And I bring it up all the time, but one thing we know the government does is if someone's on to something, yeah. which in this case, the guy who interviewed Marcel, right. the government will go to that guy and be like, oh, well, the not the government. Right. They'll send someone to be like, you're on to something and here's something else you can report. Right. And then that just turns out to be total bullshit. And yeah. they can be like, this is all nonsense. That was, I was, I was also thinking that exact thing, you know, just the, the escalation to dead bodies is just, that is a huge thing to not have come out earlier. You'd think it would come up. You'd think Marce, you know, Marcel would have thought to mention it. Yeah, this is close to 40 years later, like 30-some yeah. 30, 30 years later. I don't know if I believe there were bodies there. Did you watch the Alien Autopsy show when it aired? Uh, I did watch the Alien Autopsy, yes. <laughs> I did, too. I absolutely watched the Alien <laughs> Autopsy. I was so mad that was fake. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, th that was also one of the highlights of the UFO Museum tour was the alien autopsy oh, uh, yeah. dis diorama display. I don't know what you'd, what you'd call it. Very accurate, it's, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Totally real. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, one of the things I've always wanted to do an episode of this podcast about, but I just don't think there's enough information about it. Are you familiar with the McPherson tape? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like that, that very, very early, I think, first found footage horror yes, movie. I've watched it. There's a conspiracy theory that that is just a real tape <laughs> and that the government was like, fucking put it out as a movie. Right. Which would be a brilliant way. It it would. It would for maybe like the Blair Witch Project. That would have been, a, that, if you had told me that was what happened, I would believe that. But that thing has some really bad special effects. <laughs> I'm not going to well, lie. Yeah, that's the thing. The McPherson tape, the thing that would lead me to believe that conspiracy theory is it's a 
boring fucking movie. It is. It is. It's also. like fifty-eight it, minutes of birthday party and yeah. four minutes of aliens. It's got some good. I would say it's got some good creeps, like some good creepy moments. Yeah, but, but again, but they're very, in those like final four yeah, minutes. Very scattered, like not not yeah. no consistent buildup of tension. Uh, yeah, but also, but yeah, like the, the actual like alien effects are so obviously fake like not even in a oh like it's so fake it might be real type of i mean have you ever seen real alien effects you know know what i wish i have but i haven't yeah so only there was some touchstone yeah could follow i'm just basing it off of communion (laughs) which is another thing we should probably talk about yeah the whole whitley striber like universe (laughs) yeah very weird shit So this story was basically the first of the really widespread speculative narratives about Roswell. And it was predominant until the 80s when other research and stories start to be published. The book was one of the first to claim that the military was trying to discredit the theories that were beginning to grow about flying saucers. Mm Mm-hmm including accounts of witness intimidation and Mac Brazell, the ranch owner who discovered the debris, being held at Roswell for about a week. According to his son, Mac described it as jail and that he had been given a complete head-to-foot army physical. Hmm. This is another thing you see in those early CIA UFO files. There's a guy named uh, Donald Kehoe, who is, uh, he's a major in the Marines at the time, I believe, and was also like a kind of well-established science fiction UFO writer. Yeah. And one of his big bones of contention was that the CIA at this time was going out and coercing people into not talking. about ufos so that's kind of in line with but it's also like this all comes up in the 80s so by that point donald kehoe was kind of a public figure when it came to ufos right and he was already out there in the public saying yeah the cia was like coercing people and telling them not to talk about this so again the fact that that doesn't come up in that initial jesse marcel account Right. And comes up later. It, they could be confusing it with other stuff. Potentially. Who knows? I mean, who knows? That's the thing. One, uh, you know, after after a certain point, you start to get a glut of conflicting accounts. Right. And including another one in this book. Yeah. Which there were stories about civil engineer Grady Barnett and a group of archaeology students who supposedly found debris and alien bodies before being turned away by the army. Yeah. Which, I don't know. Yeah. There, 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 there was another UFO incident in New Mexico in 1948 in a town called Aztec. Yeah. That was actually revealed to be a hoax. And it's possible that witness accounts of those two things are getting confused because they are in pretty close proximity. Close proximity, same, you know, same basic time, same basic place, like... You know, when communication is so limited, it's easy to get those things mixed up. I can imagine that. What if Aztec is just a fucking hopping city? Yeah. Tons of nightlife, all kinds of shit to do. Right. They're like, we need a fucking UFO incident (laughs) to get people to the Las Vegas of New Mexico. And it just didn't work. No. 
poor marketing. I bet that's not the case, though. Who knows? Who could say? (laughs) I'll never know. I think Santa Fe is the Las Vegas of New Mexico. Oh, sure. Uh, You know. And Taos is haunted. Taos? Yeah. The Taos Hum. I had not heard of it. This is new. You've not heard of the Taos Hum? No. There's a certain percentage of people including people who live there and just people who go visit who just hear this persistent nonstop humming noise in Taos and it's called the Taos hum and no one knows what the fuck it is. It's and maybe it's aliens. It's one of my favorite things. Is it? And it's not like that thing where like, uh, as you get older, you stop being able to hear like certain tones. You know what I mean? Listen, it's called the Taos hum. Okay. 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 And, uh, people hear it. People hear it, so yeah. Uh, I don't appreciate being debunked. You know, I'm sorry. I'm a skeptic in at public. Heart. I can't help it. I can't help okay. it. Okay, okay. I'll leave this in. I'll leave it in. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. You know, drag me. That's okay. <laughs> I, I could take it. So the next big Roswell thing that happens is UFO crash at Roswell. Yes, which is another book that comes out in 1991. Very popular. And the basis for the 1994 TV movie Roswell. You looked into this TV movie, right? I tried so hard to find this thing to watch before the show. And barely, I found it right before we recorded. This thing looks dope. I want to watch it so bad. (laughs) Okay, I want to just very quickly sidebar to run down the cast of the 1994 TV movie Roswell. First of all. I'm excited to hear it. In the lead role as Jesse Marcel, Kyle McLaughlin. Whoa. Who, you know, now that we know what Jesse Marcel sounds like, is probably not, like, great casting. But, like, if you're you're casting, like, the look of the guy in the picture at Roswell, Kyle McLaughlin is a great choice. Also, Martin Sheen is in this movie. Martin Sheen. And you know who plays the farmer, Mac Brazel? Dwight Yoakam. God damn it. Uh, then you've got Xander Sling Blades, Dwight yes. Yoakam. Sling a Blades. A thousand own... miles from nowhere's yeah. Dwight Yoakam. You know, Logan Lucky's Dwight Yoakam, yes. Panic <laughs> Room's Dwight Yoakam. Uh, he was in Panic Room. What? He wasn't in Panic Room? Yeah, he was. Yeah, I'm he was laughing. I, I forgot about, about that. Pretty sure. Uh, also, Xander Berkeley. No one really cares, but I, th- I found it interesting. Also... Peter McNichol, a.k.a. the only good part of Ghostbusters 2. Oh. Uh, Charles Hallahan from The Thing. Ray McKinnon, who has just one of the all-time great faces. Uh, Sheriff Wilcox, played by the great Charles Martin Smith of These names are getting a little less recognizable. These are all fucking (laughs) A-listers in my book. This thing fucking, I, I just, now after Charles Martin Smith, that's where it starts to get a little less uh, recognizable for me. But man, those like first eight or nine names, that's just wild for a TV movie. Uh, that is gonna, quite a cast. I, I am going to watch the hell out of this. It's in my YouTube watch list now. I finally found it. I'm so happy. It's two and a half hours long. Oh, that uh, is long. Which means it was probably a three or four hour TV movie, like, at the time, maybe over two nights. And today it would be a six-part series. Right. Well, I mean, it it is with, uh, with, um, 
Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. They've got that Blue Book TV show. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's the Roswell TV movie. Sorry, that I just found that cast to be fucking nuts. Kyle MacLachlan and Martin Sheen. So good. I'm going to watch the hell out of that. That is quite a cast. Yeah, we should watch it and do an episode about it. I'm, because, I'm 100% uh, down. That, uh, that would be fascinating. Yeah. So this 1991 book, UFO Crash at Roswell by Kevin Randall and Donald Schmidt, it's very popular, basis for that movie. Mm-hmm. The book introduced the suggestion that along with the debris and alien bodies, they also found a large gouge at Foster Ranch of 400 to 500 feet. Right. Which is what you would imagine if a craft crashed into the ground yeah that's the kind of detail that was kind of missing from the original roswell report uh, you know as far as crashes go yeah Seem, seems like there would be something like that it's also missing from 9-11 at the pentagon olivia oh, shit you are right Except, no it's not that famous picture of right. there not being any crash debris is cropped oh, oh and, okay see now this uh, this upends my entire worldview <laughs> because i thought that that uh, very clear picture of a plane flying directly into the pentagon uh really left a lot to the imagination <laughs> So I'll admit the video of it flying in looks like you you don't see much, but the picture everyone points to as being where's the plane debris? If you just look at the uncropped version, there's a fucking yeah landing gear off yes. to the side, there's yeah. a fucking engine somewhere. It's like it's right there. Yeah, it turns out a plane crashed into a building. So yeah. there, there's we like know a how to use the internet too. <laughs> people come on how does every time we record an episode we we talk about some aspect of a 9-11 conspiracy theory it's the it's the conspiracy that just keeps on giving it, it is it really is i think it's the one that broke people in the modern day like yeah. it's the one that like ruined a lot of people's brains forever because it's the first one that we really had internet four true yeah that's yeah that's a good point because like oklahoma city that was a little too early yeah tupac dying the 9-11 of of rap yeah that was a little too early for the internet Mm -hmm. or tupac biggie smalls the twin towers of rap tragedies oh my god jesus christ (laughs) argue with me argue with me i'm not saying that because (laughs) you're wrong (laughs) why are you saying it I don't get it. So this book also claimed that a guy named General Exxon, which is the best fucking name for anyone involved in the military. What a name. That should be the name of our government. Fucking final boss ass name. (laughs) General Exxon. Uh, He was the commanding officer of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in the 60s, where the debris had been taken in 1947. Right. All his interaction with the Roswell incident was significantly after the fact. And he claimed all his knowledge was secondhand and that he never saw any of the debris. Yeah. But he did claim to have a lot of interaction with other UFO cases and was the person who coined the nickname the Unholy 13 for the UFO controlling committee. He described uh, made up mostly of high ranking military and intelligence officers. I thought that was always like Majestic 12 or something. Well, you know, it it turns out it's just like a petty, like professional squabble like nickname <laughs> this guy just had a grudge against these guys like they oh, gotta go deal with the unholy 13 i'm commander exxon and uh, this guy 
is claimed in this book to have been directly aware of debris and bodies. Right. But he disputed Randall and Schmidt's portrayal. Yeah. The book also referred to Barnett's story of bodies as depicted in the Roswell incident. But some important details were different, including the story being that Brazel had actually been leading the army to a second crash site, <laughs> Olivia, that he had found when they discovered Barnett, among others, had already gotten there. Yeah, which that is uh, that is a detail that I do remember from reading about this uh, as a youngster, the whole second crash. I mean, I guess it's as possible as there having been a first crash. Is like, it, though? I feel like, like once something happens, like, I feel like, especially with something extremely unlikely, if it happens twice within a very short span of time, the unlikelihood rises, it like, exponentially. And this is a case also where they could be confusing it with that hoax right. incident in Aztec in yeah. 1948. That Aztec marketing struggling to take hold still. Fucking Vegas. Of New Mexico. There's so much to do there. The city of Aztec yeah. never sleeps. Turns out it's more like the Reno of New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> this book also featured mortician Glenn Dennis, who claimed uh, to have received numerous calls from the army asking for strange advice and to have spoken with a nurse who had witnessed an alien autopsy. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the first... Uh, this was the first introduction of the idea that there were alien corpses right. at Roswell that were like actually worked on and looked at. Yeah. And uh, Glenn Dennis is the guy who opened the yes. Roswell Museum. Yeah, exactly. Which, uh, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that's a credit <laughs> towards your believability, honestly. Like yeah, having not been really. to that place, I love it, but it's not exactly a bastion of you know uh, objective fact. I would say. And the fact that he opened it shortly thereafter. It's yeah. not like 15 years later. No, 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 no. Cracked that thing open. He was telling this story and then was like, and by the way, coming soon. Yeah. My UFO museum. And that place, like, if you told me that was built in his old funeral home, I would believe it. Like, it, it kind of has, <laughs> yeah. it kind of has reclaimed mortuary vibes. Yeah, for sure. So in 1992, Stanton Friedman and Don Berliner published Crash at Corona, which introduced new witnesses. It changed the story to be now two crashes and eight aliens, and it claimed two of them survived and were taken into government custody, which is also a very famous, right. I think, hoax video, which is the alien interrogation video. Yes, yes. I have seen which, that one as well. What are you going to ask an alien? It's just going to talk back in clicks and I mean, fucking binary code. They made a literally an entire movie about how that just <laughs> wouldn't work that way. Like, have you seen Arrival? That is why, like, that's what that whole movie is about. Arrival is so good. It's amazing. One of my I favorites. So in 1994, Randall and Schmidt published another book called The Truth About the UFO Crash at Roswell. We found more. Which takes it up several more notches by claiming alien bodies were flown out to be inspected by President Eisenhower. No, they weren't. Nope. No, that's not how the CIA works. No way. (laughs) CIA don't want no goddamn bosses. (laughs) 
They will decide what to do with this. Thank you very yeah, much. That's the most Dwight. believable part of the movie Independence Day is yeah. that Bill Pullman had no idea that Alien 51 is real and his like <laughs> intelligence aid had to be like, uh, yeah, actually, it uh, it is real. <laughs> very real, yeah. So basically all these competing accounts lead to a schism in the world of UFO research oh, no. that broke down... More or less along the lines of Team Randall Schmidt versus Team Friedman Berliner. And that's kind of how it stood for a long time. I think that's how pretty much it still stands. Yeah. I mean, talk about your CIA disinfo tactics. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if this was literally like the bodies thing was uh, information that was fed to them, then that's basically the best kind of outcome that you could hope for is... Yeah, that's... It's ideal. Yeah, an ideological schism. Because you don't, at that point, you don't have to debunk any story. No, because there's a Because bunch. you can just, yeah, you can just be like, it's all bullshit. No one's ever proven any of that. The story keeps changing. Yeah. Of course, it's fake. And then there was the Hout document. In 2007, Randall and Schmidt published another book Jeez, called Witness to, Witness to Roswell, in which they reveal what is claimed to be a sworn affidavit from Walter Hout, the man who wrote the first Army press release about the incident in 1947, supposedly written by Hout and opened after his death in 2005. It included a description of Army officers discussing the debris and of how Hout apparently saw alien bodies. Hmm. But by 2000, Hout's mental capacities had weakened significantly enough to call into question his ability to recall these details and record them before he died, or (laughs) were his mental capacities broken down to the point that he didn't have any more inhibitions about shit like that? Sure. Because it could have just been he was mentally sound enough to know better than to talk about this shit. Sure. I get that. And then by the by the end was like, what's the government? Let's talk about these aliens that I saw. <laughs> I've never even heard of the government. <laughs> so that actually doesn't make it less credible. To no, me. It, it's just the fact that he's talking about these bodies, which are a thing that was not a thing until like 80, 81 you know, I don't know. Just, yeah. There's just too I much also, uh, though, leeway there. I feel like if diminished mental capacity is your argument, would he be able to concoct a really believable UFO alien story in no. that state? But like, that wouldn't would be this- like, and then my cat was there. <laughs> what? But also, that wouldn't need to be the only way that a fault he could be telling a false story. Like, it's possible for his interviewers, who obviously already have a conclusion that they believe in, asked him questions that led him to answers that they wanted, you know? Yeah, what's interesting about this, though, is this guy's account was enough to spark the interest of then Democratic presidential candidate, which, come on, Bill Richardson, about releasing classified Roswell documents to the public. And his response is interesting. He said that he had attempted to get information on behalf of his constituents when he had been a New Mexico congressman, but was told by both the Department of Defense 
and Los Alamos labs that the information was classified. Yeah. Which when something's still classified after that long, it's very suspicious. Yeah. And, and, and that is definitely like an interesting thing to come out of this, even though literally no one knows who Bill Richardson is. No one knows like what that, like I've never heard of him before and I was alive. New then. Mexico governor. Uh, well, good for him. I I'm sure he did great, <laughs> but like this is this is that's an interesting response, but that could also be referring to the like wreckage that uh, Marcel talked about, and wouldn't necessarily have to include bodies, right? But even if the wreckage is still classified, oh, yeah, that would be highly suspicious because they've already told us the wreckage is a weather balloon. Sure. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I'm not saying it's not suspicious. I want to be clear. I'm not I'm not saying that this is not suspicious. Yeah, but, you are. OK, well, fine. I am saying that it's not <laughs> suspicious. It's not suspicious at all. Nothing about this is uh, remotely unusual. But, you know, it's just like they're probably, you know, the idea that it was a alien drone, like literally like an unmanned, like that makes a lot of sense also. Maybe even yeah. more sense than it being a, you know, vehicle that had beings inside of it because we send unmanned probes to places right. first. So, you know, like it doesn't make it less extraordinary if it was just an extraterrestrial machine instead of right. also being bodies. The bodies, like, like I said earlier, the bodies just seem like too much is gilding the lily. Yeah, the bodies are too much. If the wreckage is still decoded is still classified that's alarming a little yeah the the conspiracy my favorite conspiracy theory of all time is elvis faked his death and joined witness protection sure and one of the things that really makes me believe that is there are still about 150 pages of elvis's fbi files that are classified on national security grounds <laughs> what do you think's in there if not well here's where we sent yeah. elvis after he joined witness protection yeah it was argentina where we sent all the nazis course, where we sent course. tupac you know that i have dreamed of writing a sitcom <laughs> that just takes place in argentina with nothing but like celebrities who fake their deaths yeah it's it's uh it's elvis and jfk this is bubba hotep basically jfk uh, jr jfk jr uh yeah no elvis killed jfk so it couldn't be jfk there uh, right. That's right. why it's a national and security matter that he be hidden. JFK Jr. is coming back to expose yeah. the the QAnon, and it's and it's 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 stuff. Elvis and JFK Jr. and like Marilyn Monroe and a bunch of the boys from Brazil and like those kinds of things. Just all hanging out. What a out. great book! I just imagine read... yeah, Elvis hanging out with a bunch of Hitler clones. Like that'd be so funny. <laughs> I mean, fucking Mangala died in Paraguay. Yeah, so I know. You know, oh, know. I know. We've talked so much about South American. <laughs> oh yeah, we did. Huh. <laughs> hey, speaking of Mangala, let's talk hey. about a conspiracy. I think we'll close out on one. I think the most believable oh, sure. theory about what happened at Roswell in 2011. Area 51, an uncensored history of America's top secret military base, was published by journalist Annie Jacobson. It features claims connecting Roswell to SS officer and doctor. Sure. Uh, don't please refer to him as doctor, <laughs> he, not mister. He was also he, he worked very hard 
for his degree <laughs> from evil medical school. That's where Dr. <laughs> evil yeah. got the idea. Joseph Mengele. Yes. AKA the angel of death. Oh, okay. Her, Glad he has a her nickname. Books. <laughs> a pithy nickname. Her book suggested that Roswell was actually the result of Mengele <laughs> being recruited by Stalin to create, quote, grotesque child size aviators <laughs> to pilot an aircraft that would land in America and cause a war of the worlds like hysteria, which I love this theory so much because here's the thing. The idea of Mengele being like, you want me to build child size aviators? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Have have all my dreams just come true? <laughs> right. I would love to, because that's what kind of guy he was. That's that's the most believable aspect of this story is that Joseph Mengele would one hundred percent be into that kind of idea. One hundred percent. However, I would I would you know maybe dispute that. You know, I don't know that Stalin was like super hyped on Nazis after World War Two. <laughs> He wasn't a yeah. huge fan of them. Yeah. We were the Nazi fans after World yeah. War II. He was he was the Nazi fan before World War II and like during part of it. And then they had a breakup, a real bad breakup, <laughs> where Hitler <laughs> invaded its Western Front. Uh, and, you know, Stalin Things never, just went south after yeah, that. Yeah, Stalin could never get over it. You know? Relationship never yeah. recovered. Adolf stopped returning his calls. He started drinking again again more and so you know it was just bad times and this this actually speaks more to me as being another maybe government disinformation thing Mm -hmm. because that's another theory that comes up in those early cia ufo files right there's this one guy who is just firing off letters to the cia constantly being like hey i think you're faking all this ufo shit so you can cause hysteria in the united states sure but throughout all those files you see them being like is this russia (laughs) and it's like russia didn't have this kind of money at the end of world war ii absolutely not like they weren't and it, it I think this story especially reeks of being CIA misinformation. Yeah. I mean, or just extremely bad sci-fi. Yeah, it's it's a wild theory. And like, did they listen to War of the Worlds? That involved aliens like killing people yeah, no. and blowing shit up <laughs> yeah. and like an actual invasion. You gotta do some you real think shit. One to- craft clash crashing in the desert is yeah. going to freak us out yeah oh they got struck by lightning and they crashed oh that's not really that scary i don't know that that's going to cause a panic yeah <laughs> yeah oh you don't need us to shoot anything boring no no thank you who cares but i don't know yeah i do. this is probably I, I actually, what happened i do know i i i, I i'm gonna go ahead and come <laughs> out and say for certain that this is a bunch of bullshit that there's no way that this is the explanation Oh, I want it to be, though. It would be extremely like. But the problem is, if it's real, we don't get to hear like the conversations that led up to the execution of the plan. You know, I just would love to hear the drunk phone calls between Stalin and Mengele where he's like, no, 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 no. They're going to be the size of children, but they're going to like be mangled. (laughs) You won't be able, they won't be, you can use children, I guess, if you want, but they got to be able to fly this thing. And I don't know if a kid's going to be able to handle that. So, 
Oh, I don't know Mangala which one was that all was. For it. I don't know which one was speaking there. <laughs> yeah, it was either, either one. Yeah, it could have been either one. One or the other. Yeah, I think we can agree this is the most believable theory. Of but course, yeah, absolutely. That's that's kind of it when it comes to Ros. This actually this episode was longer than I expected. Yeah, there's, but, you know, there's lots of nooks and crannies. And there we might uh, might do a bonus episode about the Marcel Diaries. Yeah, because. Way later on, there was this uh, diary that was written by Jesse Marcel that his kids, I think, found Mm -hmm. and read, which rude. Who are you, Courtney Love? (laughs) And it allegedly contains all these coded references to what happened at Roswell, which on the one hand is interesting, but on the other hand, he said everything in several (laughs) interviews. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah, like I would like to watch this. I would definitely be interested in in watching this and maybe talking about it, but just like, you know, first impressions, I'm generally skeptical of these like long lost unearthed diary stories, you know? Yeah. They just, they they always seem a little too good to be true, you know? Yeah, and we know there are people out there capable of forging oh, shit yeah. like that. Absolutely, especially since, I mean, who knows what kind of, like, documentation there is of his handwriting, you know? And, like, just any sort of way to verify that this is, like, a real document that seems like it would be hard to prove. But I would yeah. love to, I would love to like really get into what is inside them. And, you know, it might be real. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe we'll do an episode maybe. about it. We could, maybe we could combine it with the, with the movie, the Roswell movie. Oh yeah. The Roswell movie yeah. or the McPherson tapes or that, or maybe all of them. Who knows? We could, we got a bunch of alien it's movies. <laughs> fucking nine hour <laughs> alien documentary I'll do marathon. It. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched all the Wayans Brothers movies in a day oh, for a podcast oh once. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Are you okay? <laughs> like, it was intense. Jesus Christ. That could, like, kill you. Yeah. That was a lot of fucking movies. Yeah. And, like, so I would I could say... Get, like I a, could get through all this in a day. Like, a third of them are probably good. Like... Yeah. Yeah, about that. Jesus. Not Another Teen Movie is still great. That movie is surprisingly great like it's it's really good also one of chris evans best performances early especially in his early years yeah the janie's got a gun scene oh i love that yeah yeah that's a scene i think about every time i hear that song so you know it's got that code for it (laughs) oh that joke would never happen in a movie now Oh, it would. It, yeah, it might. It just wouldn't because it's been done. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So uh, check out Not Another Teen Movie, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. That's the main takeaway. <laughs> uh, Olivia, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Hi There, Hydar. Uh, and that is basically it for me right now. Uh, you can subscribe to Conspiracy the Show by itself on Patreon or Supercast for just $4 a month. Yeah. Patreon.com slash unpops or unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. And we have a bunch of other, if you want to subscribe to our other podcast, you can go do that. You, you jerks. Yeah. You jerks yeah. do it. That, that's how you get people to subscribe. Yeah. You call them jerks. It's that, uh. And, uh. Reverse psychology. Right? Some MK Ultra shit. There we go. Conspiracy. Hey. Yeah. So uh I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Olivia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>